Today's episode is a little different. Sarah Loretta and I met through Jay Klaus's Creative Companion Club. I mentioned I was offering free podcast coaching for episodes of this show, and she pitched me on coming on to talk about podcast guesting. While I thought we were going to talk about her advice for being a good guest, what we ended up doing was having a great conversation about our experiences. But don't worry, it all gets tied together at the end. Because we're constantly told that online business owners need to be on brand. But the truth is being open and showing your personal side establishes the like and trust factors. And ultimately, that is how you get to be a good podcast guest. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 281 of How I Built It. Another reason this episode is a little bit different is because uh, while I don't generally swear in my online properties, Sarah does. And I didn't feel it was right to uh, censor or edit those swear words out if we're talking about kind of being open and personal. So this episode is the first ever to get the explicit warning. If you are listening with kids, if you usually listen with your kids, just know that there's some potty mouth in it, but that's perfectly okay. Uh, If you want to get an even longer version of this episode, uh, you can... Uh, it's also ad-free. You can sign up over at howibuilt.it slash 281. You can do that for just 50 bucks a year. That's less than five bucks a month. And you'll get ad-free extended episodes of this and every episode of the show, access to the live stream archives where I'm building in public, as well as bonus content. Again, that's howibuilt.it slash 281, less than five bucks a month, which is like how much I pay for an iced coffee. Uh, all the show notes will also be over there too. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander, Nexus, and LearnDash. You'll learn about them later on in the show. But for now, let's get to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast that helps small business owners create engaging content that drives sales. Each week, I talk about how you can build good content faster to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Hey, everybody. I am here with Sarah Loretta Loretta. She is the CEO and Chief Notion Officer at 99 in St. Clair. You will get that reference if you're a member of the Creator Crew. We had a great, great pre-show. So you can sign up over at joincreatorcrew.com for just 50 bucks a year. That's less than five bucks a month, which is less than the last coffee I paid for. So, I mean... You should do it. It's great. We're going to be talking about how to be a great podcast guest. And Sarah has definitely proved her credentials in the pre-show already. So Sarah, how are you today? Man, I'm doing fucking awesome. So (laughs) just preface this show, y'all. I have a sailor mouth and it's fine. I try to edit out the swear words. This is getting the explicit rating though. So everybody. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's hot. I'm in Austin and it's 105 degrees today. So I'm a little bakey, but it's fine. (laughs) Is it like a dry heat there? I hear in Texas, it's a dry heat. Yeah, it's a dry heat, but it's just hot. I mean, it's like you wake up in sweat and you go to sleep and you sweat. 
I've been here 10 years and I still, I feel like every summer it just gets worse. And triple digits, usually we don't hit triple digits until August. We have like a three week period. And the fact that it's June 8th and it's triple digits, it's a little scary. Yeah, it's been like up here, I'm in the Northeast and it was like very cold until it wasn't. Like it was like 48 until it was like 90. And I'm like, what is happening? Like what is happening right now? It's that global warming, y'all, you know, recycle. Eat the impossible meat. Look, as a meat lover, you can't tell. Unless you eat them side by side, it's fine. Just do it. Eat some fish. Yeah, exactly. That's better for you anyway. Yeah, there's your PSA from <laughs> from Sarah and Joe. So we got connected through Jay Klaus's Creative Companion Club. Jay was on episode 270. And then right after that, I decided to join his membership. So it was a great sales call for him. And... I basically posted that I was looking for potential live coaching guests, which 280, the one right before this, was with Scott Cowan, and we did a coaching call. But Sarah pitched a different idea, which I loved, how to be a good podcast guest. Because when you go on a podcast, you want to make the most of it, right? It's a great way to get in front of somebody else's audience. As we record this, it was a big relaunch, right? But you're kind of changing niches or niches or whatever, right? Yeah. So I owned a design agency. So same business name. If you Google 99 in St. Clair, it will all come up. But I had my design agency for about four and a half years. But halfway through, I really started to notice that most of my design clients, we were actually spending a lot of time on business development. And I was setting people's prices and procedures. And then I had Somebody from Dublin who ended up being a client of mine that had seen one of my YouTube videos say, can you please build a Notion workspace for me? She was another designer. And I said, absolutely not. I wish (laughs) I was lying when I say she emailed me eight times. And finally, on the eighth time, I was like, you know what? Fine. But if it's trash, like, don't get mad at me. (laughs) Like, I've never done project management for other people. And in that conversation, I was like, hey, if you're asking for this, chances are other people are asking for it. And so we came up with this agreement to turn it into templates, which is now my signature thing that people know me for, which is Notion for Designers. It's a 40 plus template bundle to full operating system with contracts and proposals, project management space, client management space for Notion, specifically for brand and web designers. And since then, that was early 2021. I'm now a certified Notion consultant. I was recently named the 40th in the world. And I've completely shifted my business into Notion consulting and small team development. So I specialize in teams of 15 or less. And we focus more on your digital workflow. So not just having 20 pieces of tech in your stack, but how do they all work together? And do they actually help you make more money and run your business? For me, growth is great, but you can't get to a growth phase if you don't have the foundation set. And that's really where I come in is people have kind of been steering their hamster wheel for a while and something's just not clicking. So I'll audit processes and help them really find their gaps so they can maximize on client experience and minimize human error on things that can be automized. So we relaunched literally three days ago. And I spent the last nine weeks up all night reworking this relaunch. We have a ton of things launching over the next two months. And it's really exciting to kind of tap back in because I actually started my career 
first in AmeriCorps, I taught STEM at 18. I taught science and robotics and all of those things. And then I shifted to a nonprofit and actually built their compliance department and did data management and helped them save tens of thousands, actually hundreds of thousands of dollars with the city and the state because we didn't even have databases or an internal system. And I single-handedly built that with our IT guy. So it's really cool to finally be full circle because I loved my job there. I just hated the nonprofit politics. So it's been really fun to kind of come full circle, like Lauren Graham says in Gilmore Girls, if y'all are gillies. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so that's what I do. And I have a YouTube channel and I still sell Notion for designers and I do Notion builds and and hang out online. That's amazing. So first of all, I'll just say like a little bit of history for you is this show started as talking to mostly WordPress developers and designers, freelancers. And so what's the link to the templates? I'll put it in the show notes over at how I built that. It's slash 281. But if you want to state it, I'm sure a lot of listeners will enjoy that. Yeah. So if you just go to my Gumroad, it's just the Sarah Loretta. That's where you can find me personally everywhere. Just the sarahloretta.gumroad.com. And I not only have larger templates, but I actually have a ton of free Notion content specifically in This is me tapping back into my teacher self. Like I loved teaching, hated when kids made me cry, but that's a whole nother story. (laughs) But I actually have a Notion basics course on my Gumroad account. It is free. It will always be free. It's about a two hour walkthrough from everything from what account you should pick through how to use databases and create templates. And then actually it ends with a build exercise where you'll build alongside of me. And it is the best course out there for you to decide if Notion's for you or not. And I've never seen anything like it. That's me tapping in my ego a little bit, but I will say it is incredible. So if you're thinking about Notion and you're not really sure, by the end of that course, you should be able to be like, fuck yeah, here I go, I'm ready to dive in. Or like, nope, going back to a box software, I'm just going to stick with Asana and call it a day. I can vouch for this. I've started taking it because I have been doing a dance where I've been thinking about moving to Notion, maybe from Airtable, like a lot of times, because Airtable is very cost prohibitive if it's more than just you. Like my VA accesses like two tables in Airtable and I'm paying as much for her as I am for me. We need to get you on Notion. (laughs) Yeah. So like Notion will save me like 400 bucks a year, which is nice. It really pulls a lot of, I mean, like for my team, we're a team of five and we don't even use Slack anymore. We solely use Notion. There's a lot of potential, but it's also really overwhelming. And that's why I wanted to release this course because I would get so many clients on discovery calls that would be like, oh, you know, everyone keeps telling me I need to be on Notion, but I don't know what it is. And it's like, well, first of all, why are you on this call if you didn't even do your research? (laughs) But two, like, I'm happy to build this for you. But like any other service, if y'all are listening in your service-based business, like you can only take their success so far and then it's up to the client to continue that. And so I make it very clear with people I work with, like, I'm happy to set this up, happy to support you. But if you don't implement the way I'm teaching you or actually try to implement positively, then like, I can't do anything about that. And that's, I think, one thing that's really held me above water over the last five years is like, I can only do so much for you. So this episode is brought to you by Text Expander. What can you do with more hours? Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers. They're all taking precious time away from you. With Text Expander, you can take it back. 
and focus on what matters most. In 2021, Text Expander saved me 34 typing hours. That doesn't even include the collective hours I would have spent looking for responses, links, resources, code, and anything else I type regularly. Talk about creating more efficiently. You will never need to copy paste repetitive responses again. With Text Expander, your knowledge will always be at your fingertips with a quick search or abbreviation. Text Expander is available on all platforms and show listeners get 20% off. Take back your time today at textexpander.com slash podcast. So I should probably have you back on the show at a different time to talk about Notion. But I think that what we've demonstrated here because of my cunning planning (laughs) is you've established your authority in an area, which I think is really important for being a good podcast guest, right? So I know that in Jay's community, you asked about this, right? You've been getting some pitches for going on podcasts and you weren't quite sure what should you talk about? Who should be proposing? So why don't you talk a little bit about that? How, how do you approach going on someone's podcast? Sure. So I have never pitched anyone to be on someone's show. I mean, for you, I was like, hey, here's an idea because we had talked about something that I had posted. But the podcast I've been on, either they've been friends, friends of friends, you know, super kind of starter. I've been more times than I can count the first guest on people's podcasts. And so for me, in any element of my life, I never want to show up subpar. I have this like inherent deep fear that I'm going to disappoint anyone and everyone. And so I'm always trying to show up 120% at all times. And especially knowing when people come to me and they're like, you know, we want to start having guests. We'd love for you to be the first one. I kind of go through this, oh shit moment, because I'm at a point in my life where I'm almost 30. I've had several different careers that are so much fun to talk about. I could spend an entire episode just on each phase of my life. And I never know how to really tie it all together, especially when you add in like childhood stuff and how I got to where I am today. And then a lot of pitches that come in are people that are like, oh, so-and-so said you should be on my podcast. This was the recent one that we were chatting about. Random person, never heard of their podcast, but I know very much who they referred, I was referred to by. And, you know, it was very general. It was like, hey, so-and-so said you'd be great on my podcast. Would love for you to join. Okay, where's your link? What do you want me to talk about? I could talk about literally 80 things, right? We could have the argument about, how I made six figures solely using Canva and Procreate. We could talk about Notion. We could talk about my YouTube channel. We could talk about college, like whatever you want to talk about. And it was interesting because the person that had referred me, I love them. They're in Australia. Great. They bought my first course I ever launched. I love this individual. So I was like, fuck yeah, like I'm happy to do it. And then after I said yes, that's when I got all the details of what we should talk about. And here's the pitch and here's the expectations of the show. And I feel like I'm at a place where I really would like to hone in my CEO story and my founder brand and start using podcasts to actually talk about my expertise. But I don't know if I'm at a place yet where I could go and pitch. And so I want to use this as a stepping stone to be able to showcase, like you just built that guest landing page on your website. And I think it's fucking beautiful. And I'm like, I want to be able to have something like that on my personal site so I can start getting booked on panels. Like my biggest goal, how I know that I've made it, 
I want to be on a Create and Cultivate panel. That is my dream. I started my business because of Jacqueline Johnson. Like, I would die if I could be on her panel. But it's like, how do we get there, right? And this, I feel like, is a really important stepping stone. Long story short, that is really how it is. And I feel like a lot of people, too, that have pitched me because they kind of know of me because other people are referring They don't come to me with specifics, but it also doesn't seem like they've done their research past whatever that person has told them. And usually the episodes end up being a lot of shock of, holy shit, didn't know that your dad's in prison and you've been on urine since you were 17. Like there's a lot of shock and I feel like it takes away from what I'm there to educate on. And I'm trying to figure out how to tell that story and pull those heartstrings without it being like, oh my God, I can't believe you went through that. And it's just like, yeah, I did. Like, move on. Yeah, don't have like the emotional breakdown here on the show, right? Exactly. It's like, if I'm here to talk about business, like happy to talk about my personal life. But if you find me anywhere online, I don't talk about my personal life. That's not something that I harp on. I've written several articles about being one in 28 kids in America with a parent incarcerated, but I don't put that in my everyday content. So if you're asking me to be on a business podcast, don't spend the first 20 minutes talking about my childhood and the trauma I went through, you know? And so that's kind of where I'm at is how do I kind of come into somebody's show and really lead the charge and also like be intentional about what the audience wants too, right? Because If you have a podcast, like a general business podcast, yes, clearly the audience is there. They want business, but what are they asking for that you are then coming to me and I can provide that value? And that's, I think, something that I haven't really figured out in a lot of times that I've been a guest or collaborated with online in general. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And this is really important. If you're listening to this and you have a podcast, preparation is the host's duty. It's the host's job to get the good stories, the directed, like pointed stories from the guest, right? So I've been on podcasts where the host was like, come up with five questions you want me to ask you. And I was like, you do that. I don't know anything about your audience. Am I even a good fit or are you just having me for funsies, right? Like as the host, right, you need to do a little bit of due diligence, right? And I'll say Andrew Warner's book, Stop Asking Questions is really good. If you're at a phase where you're just kind of like reaching out to people who seem to have a lot of Twitter followers or whatever, that's not the way to do it. What you do is you look at the person's homepage or their Twitter profile and you look at what they're talking about. And you say, okay, yes, this serves my audience. You should have a why for your podcast and your podcast should solve someone's problem. And every guest should help solve the problem that you're aiming to solve, right? So, and you know what else helps, right? Like I didn't know before you got on Riverside about your dad, but you mentioned it in our pre-show interview so that when you drop it on the recording, I know that, right? Like, so that's the other thing. And that's something I started doing recently is the pre-show interview. It lets us warm up a little bit. I mean, you and I seems like we've been friends for a million years. Oh, we could chop it up for days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But sometimes that's not the case. You know, there's a little like, oh, what's your deal? Do you lay? Why are you here? So the pre-show interview helps. And then you can kind of iron out the details as well. I will say the best podcast experience as a guest I've had was actually the Why We Succeed podcast. I think I was also the first guest on that one. It's by Jay Emanuel. And he, when I tell you his pre-show etiquette was 
everything. We got on a call a week before. We went through all the questions he was going to ask. He gave me the opportunity to like tailor the questions or get rid of some questions. We tested audio. We did a bunch of stuff. And then we got on, I think it was like three or four days later and actually did the full recording. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And one thing that I liked about his post show is he actually cuts specific pieces of content out, which all of the other shows I've been on don't do that. And so it's been really hard to pitch or like share, hey, I've been a guest on this. The production value, I feel like on a lot of starter shows just aren't there which makes it hard for me to then turn around and be like, yes, like I want to promote this with why we succeed Jay's podcast. It was so good because he cut an entire piece about me talking about client experience. And that is my number one, like hard principle is you put the client at the top experience you can at all times. And it was really cool because I could turn that into my own content. So when you say cut, you mean you like clipped a part of the interview? Yeah, clip. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I say cut, I usually mean like remove it from the interview. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like a clip. He edited a clip of it, which was really cool. And spent like a week, like every day he released a piece of it. And then at the end, it was the whole thing that he had released for. It was a cool marketing structure. But yeah, and then I was on a podcast, a Notion podcast that it wasn't even edited. And so there was like one answer. I was like, ooh, can I like re-answer this? And that was actually in the episode, which was really awkward. Like it hadn't been cut out. The audio wasn't good. And so it's hard for me because I mean, in our pre-show, I sat here and I was like, how's the game? Is the microphone good? Like, am I okay? And I spend so much time because I come from video and audio And it's hard being on shows that that part isn't reciprocated. Like the fact that you literally made me click a box on the Calendly invite that was like, do you have headphones? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you probably should have headphones, you know. I appreciate that. And like, absolutely true. I get it. Like, I know a lot of people who I asked on Twitter, right? Like, how do you edit your podcast? And I've gotten a lot of like, oh, we don't. We just like live stream it and then like release that. And I'm like... Okay, but like, do you care? Like, if you don't care, then fine, right? But like, I make it very clear. I I don't think I made it clear to you. Folks, we had a very jaunty pre-show. Like, I'm just like, it was like really fun, but I skipped some important business. But like, I make it clear to my guests most of the time that this is not live. And if you mess up, let me know. I'll clap my hands and we'll create an edit point. I actually think that was on your prep page because I did read that. Believe it or not, I did read that. I appreciate that. Yeah, perfect, right? I forgot that I have that on the guest notes. As the host, I try to make it as clear as possible. Now, I usually only do if it's requested of me is send the questions ahead of time. And that's like a time management thing for me. One of the reasons I joined the Creative Companion Club is to focus my time and energy on podcasting more because like I like WordPress and I teach courses here and I do it, but I want to just focus on podcasting and this podcast and making it the best it could be. And I think that's similar though to a guest, right? Because I was an only child. Anytime I can talk, baby, am I getting it out? And so I can be very long-winded. Baby, listen. (laughs) No, but I can be very, very long-winded. And so there's sometimes, especially, again, like going back to like pulling the heartstrings, telling the story, and like moving on, that sometimes I'll be like, oh my God, I feel like I've been talking for like five fucking minutes and no one's interrupting me. And it's like, okay, this is either really good or I am not great at telling my story. And so people don't really know how to interrupt me and end 
on the right note, right? That comes with just experience. And that's why we were kind of talking in the pre-show is I'm kind of glad that a lot of the shows I've been on, there's not a lot of things to lose, right? Like being on it, like that gives you your time to practice. But I think I've been on like eight shows and I actually think I prefer to have the questions ahead of time, just general, right? It doesn't have to be like the exact, like we have to follow it, but just so I can kind of tailor my mind to be like, okay, he wants to ask me 25 questions in a 30 minute recording. Like I got to keep it short, sweet to the point. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. And you mentioned storytelling, which is something that, again, we kind of mentioned here in the pre-show. Do you have some stories like locked and loaded that you tell, or are there ones that are like, example, I did a podcast interview for somebody else's podcast today where I told a very well rehearsed story about my first web design client, right? Like if anybody has listened to me on every podcast I've been to, they could tell it along with me, right? It's like the same cadence. So do you have stories like that, like locked and loaded or? Not usually. It depends again on the question, right? So first client experience, I talk a lot about how I became an entrepreneur. So for those who don't know me that are listening, I started freelancing kind of half-heartedly because I couldn't find a new job. I'd been in the nonprofit space for, I think, eight years, could not find another job. I actually, the last interview I ever went on, I interviewed at Trello six times and then they ghosted me. And so I ended up joining a freelance Facebook group and somebody was like, oh, I need help with my website. And I was like, well, I've had a website for a while, like happy to help you. That was November, 2018. And then March, 2019, I went to the create, like I had just like kind of tapped into things at that point. Like I really hadn't done stuff. And I'm going to the Create and Cultivate South by Southwest free conference, which for those of you who know Create and Cultivate, Jacqueline charges like two grand a ticket for her stuff. She does a free one at South by. It's insane. Went to that event, sat behind Matthew McConaughey's mom, went home that night, started my business. And within three months, I had 40 clients. Like, I wish I was lying. It was insane. And then I quit my day job within six months and I was so miserable. Like the amount of bullying I went through at that job, I was the only one left from when I got hired seven years prior. So I was the only person left standing by a three-year gap and people were not happy that I was still there because I was very vocal of like, there's no way for me to move up. Like I was running three departments on my own. I sat at the front desk. I never made more than 40 grand there. And so when I started making more money freelancing than I did in my day job, I made that shit as clear as day. I was like, <laughs> I don't need to be here. Like y'all treat me like there was a director on that team where I literally had a calendar counting the days he didn't talk to me. I was the only one not ever invited through his door into his office when we moved offices. It was rough. I came home crying every single day. And I'm an INTJ to the core. I do not cry. I am not emotional. That place broke me. And so I ended up, <laughs> this is how petty I am. Most of my first ever clients were actually our partners of that nonprofit. I would go do video for them. I would do social media. So I was like, well, if they're valuing me, but this place isn't like, fuck them. And so I quit my day job and I've been freelancing ever since. And so I tell that story a lot because it's like, holy shit, like, whoa, you know? And then usually the story that a lot of people like to hear is about my dad going to prison when I was 15. He's still there. He's got about seven years left to go. No contact. I talk a lot about 
my brand and hip hop and the nonprofit I worked for really was heavily focused on adult workforce education and reentry. And I talk a lot about how those individuals that came through our program taught me more about my parent being incarcerated than I could ever learn online. I grew up Catholic. When my dad went to prison, it was literally another Tuesday. I was never talked to, didn't get sent to therapy, like nothing. And I, full transparency, I'm the reason he's there. I grew up in a very abusive household and I came out about it when I was 15. And so because I have no contact and things like that, I really just relied on people that were around me that had those experiences to learn about it. And very specifically hip hop. I mean, I attribute everything I know to culture and inner city problems so much to the rap that I grew up listening to. It influenced me so much that I wrote my thesis on how rappers actually are inner city historians and how the mass media doesn't cover inner city history because it had just, I mean, broke me. I mean, there's albums and I had a paper published in college about Kilikai Leon, who is a rapper out of Houston. He's a little bit older. He's kind of the early 2000s generation. And he wrote an entire album called Lorraine Motel that's basically about his view that the Black Dream died when MLK was assassinated. And I've never cried more. I literally have like chills. And I hate saying that. I think that's such a cliche thing to say. But (laughs) I literally have chills like talking about this because that album changed my life. And it was so cool because I got to write this paper and I presented it to him at a show. And it was like the dopest thing I've ever done. And then like Shay Serrano retweeted it. Charlemagne the God got a hold of it. Like it was insane. So I talk about that and like how it's really helped shift me to go into impact work. And that's primarily who I still work with are nonprofits, people in LGBTQ space, people who are of color. I don't work usually with white people. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to say that. Like, I work with museums and nonprofits because I care so much about the underdog because for a long time, I wasn't okay saying that I was the underdog. I hate being called a victim. Just trigger to say this, but I am a sexual assault victim. I'm a domestic violence victim. And so for me, like, I hated, hated viscerally hated saying that I was a survivor, that I was a victim. But what I've learned from all of these individuals who've really shaped me over the last 18 years is just how important it is to keep going and really create the life that you want, no matter the situation you were born into, and really reshape your message and who you want to be and how you want to leave this world. And I think that's what's most important to me is giving more than what I'm receiving and making sure that I'm kind and I'm thoughtful and I'm humble. And maybe I crack a joke here or there, but at the end of the day, like, you know, if I can help somebody even for five minutes, like that's all I care about. And I wouldn't be where I'm at had I not gone through all of that. Right. And so I talk a lot about that. You're welcome. There's a story for you. That totally spiraled. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to like go on that massive tangent. Oh my God. (laughs) So I think this is important, right? Because I asked you, do you have stories locked and loaded? It's like, how do you not tell that whole story? How do you pick one piece, right? It's like, I can't be like, yeah, like hip hop taught me how to be dope as fuck and like not give a shit. But it's like, okay, but how did you get there? Cause you're like the whitest girl in the (laughs) entire world. Like I am white y'all. Like 
I burn the second I walk outside. Okay. <laughs> so wait, she lives in Austin, Texas. I'm Italian. So I'm like, I've got like an olive complexion, but I don't spend that much time outside. You want to talk about white shades? I'm like an eggshell. <laughs> but I think this is important, right? Because, and like you said, it depends on the context of the show you're going on, right? So I have my story about being a freelancer. I have a story about being in drama club, how I used to put a sweater over my head and tell people to call me sister Josephine. And like my, that's <laughs> my second grade teacher, like told me to join drama club because of that. Oh, the Catholic in me is like, Oh my God, my knuckles are going to get beat <laughs> for laughing. <laughs> <laughs> my God, we used to hide behind a dumpster. Our nuns, sorry, just a quick funny story. I went to St. Anthony's in Cleveland and our nun's house was like in the parking lot of the school. And we used to legit hide behind the dumpster and throw rocks at the house. Like, that's what we'd... And we used to just, like, call out the nuns' names. Oh, my God, it was rough. And they used to walk through our classrooms with, like, these big metal rulers. And if they didn't think we were paying attention, they just, like, smack metal cabinets. They were mean, man. So, you know what? I never broke windows, but I will say I taunted them. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is actually really funny, right? Because you went to grammar school in, like, the early 2000s, right? Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I was... In in third grade when 9-11 happened, just for pinpoint reference. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was a junior in high school when 9-11 happened. So I feel like we were like on the tail end of like super mean nuns. We were on the end of what corporal punishment, right? Like that is not a thing. Kids don't get paddled, nothing anymore. Yeah. I had a nun like grab, I had like a little rat tail and she like grabbed it and like was like, what is this rat tail? She told somebody in my class that nosy people die young in second grade. Like imagine being nine and being told that like, uh, I would never ask any questions again. Well, I think the worst thing for me was my sixth, seventh, and eighth grade teachers all had my stepmom and her brothers. So there was no getting away with anything at that school. It was rough. So yeah, Mrs. Sellers, and she was a Mormon teaching at a Catholic school. One of the most wonderful humans I've ever met in my life. So Catholic school, man. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I had the benefit and my parents grew up in the city and uh, they moved upstate when we were born. This is one of the rare times I'll call where I'm from upstate because it's not upstate, but they moved north of the city. Sure. That's upstate for Manhattaners. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So like all the schools I went to, like I was the first Casabona to go through. I wasn't a goody two shoes, but I definitely knew how to kiss up to the staff. And so I got away with a lot and my brother did not. And so like, they'd always be like, you're nothing like your brother. He had some <laughs> choice words for me, but uh, Catholic school, man. It really shapes you. Listen, y'all, like it really shapes you. Yeah, it really does. It makes you realize just how fucked up <laughs> Catholic school is and how not fucked up the world is. I remember going to college and like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm like going to church. You want to come? And they're like, whatever they were like Baptist or something. And I'm like, what do you mean? You're not Catholic. Like, I couldn't believe I met somebody who wasn't Catholic. Yeah. Oh, my God. I had this friend in high school who was, oh, God, what was she? She was Lutheran. And I remember telling my parents, hey, Leslie, who I was in marching band. She was like one of the drill team girls. And I was like, Leslie wants me to come over after school. Like, we have a biology project. And my parents literally asked me, is she Catholic? Which is wild because my parents are not religious. I only went to Catholic school because of my stepmom's parents. Like, we did not go to church on Sundays. Like, it was not a thing. And I remember 
them saying, oh, you can't hang out with her. She's Lutheran. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I remember getting in trouble because I really was like good friends with her. And I remember her asking me to go to like a roller skating birthday party or something. One of the only times I ever lied to my parents. I lied and said I was doing something else so I could hang out with her. And when they found out I was spending time with her, oh, it was like all hell broke loose. It was, and I just like, I look back now, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. This episode is brought to you by Store Builder from Nexus. When it comes to setting up an e-commerce site, you have a choice between easy but limited or a limitless platform that you need to manage yourself. Until now. Store Builder is e-commerce made easy for everybody. It saves you time and delivers a storefront that lets you get to selling. As someone who set up multiple e-commerce sites, I can tell you that Store Builder has been a much easier experience than anything else. Answer a few questions, add your content, and sell. Store Builder was created and is supported by e-commerce experts at Nexus. Get the speed, security, and support you need when you need it. Are you ready to launch your perfect online store? Head over to howibuilt.it slash storebuilder for a special offer. That's howibuilt.it slash storebuilder. I don't know how we got on to parenting from here. I have three kids though, so I constantly think about it. It's a hard no for me. Hard no? <laughs> I will be a dog mom till I die. My friends tell me I was born a dad, so I'm just like fulfilling my destiny, I guess. But uh, I'm like, am I going to mess up my children? My parents took a very like, if we're too harsh on them, then they will rebel and like do the things we don't want them to do anyway. Man, I wish I had that. Just a final story for y'all because stories are fun. My parents used to make me kneel on rice bare need. That was how I was punished as a child. Are you sure you didn't grow up in the 60s? Like, are you sure? <laughs> My parents were born in the early 70s and... I don't know what went through their mind, but yeah, that's how I was never hit. I was never spanked. I literally had to put my nose in the corner and they would pour rice on the ground and I would have to kneel on it. And it was not fun. That is a classic like Catholic punishment. Like I know. <laughs> my peers, I feel like that was like phased out by the time I was a kid. So that's really interesting to hear that. They would make me do that. I was probably 14 still doing that. Yeah. I got hit once. And it only took, my mom hit me with a wooden spoon because I'm an Italian stereotype. And it was only once that ever had to happen. Oh man. Yeah. I wish. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I probably still have indents, honestly. Man. Yeah. That, uh, like my knees hurt just talking about that. So one of the things that makes you a good podcast guest is you are very conversational. You're personable. And you have these kind of good stories and you're open to tell them, right? It's really hard, I think, because usually podcast isn't a video medium. It is all storytelling and weaving the right story. What do you think got you to that point, I guess, right? Because you said you're INTJ now. I know that a common misconception with introverts is like they don't like people. I am, I think I'm ESTJ. The way I remember this is if you look at the Harry Potter chart, I'm McGonagall. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that's how I remember. So ESTJ. I've never seen that chart before. I'm curious who I would be. I'm like Luna, to be honest. Like I'm more of an ambivert, but for me, I prefer to be more of an introvert because constant conversation and interaction is exhausting to me. I mean, before we got on this call, 
I had to sit in silence for about an hour so I would have energy to come on this call and be like my full self. And I've had like five calls today. And so I was really afraid, like, fuck, I'm going to get in this call and I'm just going to not do well because I'm already like drained for the day. But for me, that's really what it is. And like, ironically, right? Like I'm a notion consultant. I suck at writing shit down. I have a quote on my monitor that literally says, your brain is for having thoughts, not holding them. And so I have to force myself to write things down. And so my therapist, I do EMDR therapy. I think everybody should. It's wonderful. It's how your nervous system reacts to your memories, not how your brain remembers memories. And it's this practice that all of your trauma has a connecting factor. And so you don't have to focus on every single piece to relieve the trauma and the pain and the PTSD. You could focus on any of them and it will release from all of it. And so my therapist all the time, I'll say something and she goes, that's the INTJ in you. And I'm like, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's annoying. But yeah, it's, it's a good time. That's funny. So that's really interesting. I'm like an extrovert all the way. This is like my third like hour and a half long conversation in a row. And I spent the morning at a coffee shop, like amongst other people. Like I just, I know I'm like energized by people. Like the pandemic was very hard, right? Because I was like alone. See, I loved it. I was like, cool. I don't have to go anywhere. Oh my God. I can curbside my groceries. Yes. (laughs) I was like, just trying to make eye contact with anybody like in a mask. Like, can we just connect please? Okay. So you said you're INTJ. I'm doing a like a live lookup. It looks like you are Malfoy on this chart, the strategist. Fuck yeah. I always say that I'm a slither puff depending on my caffeine intake. So there you go. Love it. Nice. Very <laughs> nice. I took the quiz on Pottermore and I'm pretty sure I answered in such a way that like made ensured I got Gryffindor. Yeah. I think it's rigged. It's totally rigged. Yeah. I'm probably more who's like, is Ravenclaw? Are they like the curious ones? Like the search for knowledge people or like in Hunger Games, is it erudites? I've never seen or read Hunger Games. I don't know. I'm like probably too old and too male to supposed to like them, like, but I enjoyed them. Listen, I will take this to my grave. Twilight is one of the best series of all time. Okay, listen, (laughs) I am a huge Twilight fan. I mean, listen, Rocky's my favorite movie of all time. I will throw down like nothing to do on a Friday night. <laughs> Guess I'll turn Twilight on like happy. to. I just I don't know. I love the soundtrack. Like obviously Kristen did not do a great job in that role. It's fine. It's her first debut thing. Hey, you know what, though? Like she's been good in other roles. So like we can blame the director, right? It's like how Hayden was not good as Anakin, but that wasn't his fault. It's all about the director, 100%. But yeah, that's, I feel like I'm Jasper. I'm reserved until you get to know me. And then it's like a whole tidal wave coming out. So it's like, let me show you my plants, my composter. Like, you want to come hang out with my dog? Like, (laughs) once we're cool, like, there's no going back. But until we get to that point, like, you probably won't know much about me. So. Like, I try to put on this, like, closed off face if I'm, like, in a situation where I don't know a lot of people. Oh God, I'm the worst person. If I go to an event and they're taking photos, I am the maddest looking person in the room. And I'm like, I promise, like I'm having, like I went to this crypto meetup yesterday and by this female led crypto brand here in Austin called Lay Crypto. And they had a photographer taking photos and they posted a photo on their Instagram. And I'm just like stone faced. Like I look so mad and I'm like, guys, like you could have posted any other photo. Like I look 
horrible in this because I just look so mad. I'm like, I swear, like, I don't, it's just my face. (laughs) You know, I hate being in event photos because I look mad all the time. Oh man, that's really funny. I'm like, this is me all the time. Like big smile, no eyes. Like that's how I smile in every picture. I'm trying to think of an overarching theme for this episode, right? It's really like getting to know Sarah Loretta, but like, it's also, I think that there are a lot of really good gems here. First of all, right. We talked early on about, cause we're coming up on time here. We've surpassed time a little bit, but this is really fun for me, but there are a couple of important things that we talked about here, right? Like, so if you're a podcaster, first of all, it's your job to do research on the guest and pitch a topic to them. I always pitch a topic to my guest. And then they are free to suggest something else, but it's totally up to them. If you are pitching, I think, Sarah, to your point, right, you should probably have three or four ready-made topics that you, you know, I can talk about Notion, I can talk about hip-hop or personal life therapy. Like I was just on a podcast recently that wasn't really like super on brand for me, but it's called Dig to Fly. And I talked about my parenting philosophy and how I got therapy for the first time ever in the pandemic because like I had like something close to a panic attack. I don't know if it was a real one. I've never had, I don't think I've ever had one, but, and then my daughter, like who was three at the time had to like tell me it would be okay. And like brought me water because like, apparently she's like a very emotionally intelligent three-year-old. And after that, I was like, I need to get help because I take care of my kids. My kids don't take care of me. Right. Not at that age. Right. But I think that's what's difficult about where we're at in social media. And maybe that's why this is so hard for me sometimes is like, you don't have to be on brand all the time. Right. Like, I think so many of us are like, oh, my God, if I talk about like this on Twitter or this, like people are going to be so confused and so thrown off if I go and do one thing. You and I are in a very distinct time period of our age, like when we grew up, that we are incredibly multifaceted millennials. And it just is what it is. I mean, you and I can both remember dial-up. I remember my AIM chat room. Like, I remember Y2K being a thing. And so we're in this phase where we remember life before the internet, but we also have been around it enough to understand like its potential. Right. And so you saying like, yeah, I was on this podcast and it's not like on brand for me. It's like, who the fuck cares? Like if it's something you're passionate about and you care about. And I think that's like, especially starting to kind of do more PR and getting on podcasts and things. I have to like tell myself that like, yo, if someone wants to talk about hip hop or film or whatever, like it doesn't matter because I still love it. And that just, I think, adds more of that like and trust to people. Now, mind, probably people listening to this are not going to go over that podcast unless they're like, I'm not a parent. I have no interest in listening to that. Not that I don't love you, but I have nothing to value from that, right? But you may find that you have people in your audience that you cross with. And I feel like more people cross with things than they realize. And and even like on my Twitter account, I'm like, oh my God, I want to talk about basketball. Or weirdly, I'm friends with Shay Serrano on Facebook, okay? So I only know that today's his birthday because Facebook told me, okay? I wanted to go on Facebook and be like, yo, happy birthday to my homie. Like, remember five years ago when you retweeted my college paper and you got me all these writing jobs? Like, thank you. And like republish it. And I was like, man, people probably following me are going to think that's weird. And like, I'm not going to do that. And like, I just think we got to break that. I don't know. 
This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash LearnDash. I'm going to call this a potpourri episode, but I think that's really good and important, right? Because like, I don't tweet about politics because I don't want to get dragged on Twitter. I have a whole private account for that. <laughs> yeah, right. I just like, my private account is me like venting to my wife because she's the best. Uh, you know, I'm like afraid to get dragged on Twitter for anything I ever say ever. But like, I guess a good example, right, is my mother-in-law passed away after a, a long battle with cancer in March. My wife and I both struggled with like, should we post it on Facebook? And like we did because it was the most efficient, this sounds like super robotic, efficient way to disseminate that information. But we were like, is this something that, and I think it's probably a function of like, there are definitely people who like, like experience their emotions like through Facebook and like, that's too much. You don't need to feel everything in a Facebook post, right? Like that, but like, you're right. Like the personal stuff Definitely does help with the like and trust factor, right? Like, so I tweet about the Yankee games and like I warn people, right? Like, hey, I'm tweeting about the Yankees today or whatever. Because if people only want to follow me for the podcast stuff or only want to follow me for WordPress, I mean, especially the WordPress people are going to be like increasingly disappointed now. I'm like talking a lot less about that, but Eh, WordPress is trash anyway. It's fine. (laughs) Oh man. Gauntlet (laughs) throne. Oh, listen, I'm Squarespace developer guys. So it's fine. All right. We'll see if we hadn't already been talking for an hour and a half at this point, we could dig into that too. Another episode where this is going to be a trilogy for the ages. I like that actually, right? Yeah. I feel the same way because living in Austin, So my boyfriend's a master plumber and he does like all new construction and does a lot of like million dollar homes and stuff like that. And his business partner, Tony's niece, was one of the teachers that died in Uvalde. And we have stayed at their house. We go to Uvalde regularly. It's like two hours from our house. And that was last week was, or I guess maybe now it's been two weeks, but it was one of the hardest days I've had in a very long time because it's like, oh, this is like in my backyard now. This isn't just something we're seeing on TV. And I was really angry that day. And I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. If all these Notion people have a problem with me saying like I'm pissed off about our gun laws, like so be it. But this is personal now because I knew the person. I think even in that tweet, I was like, it's no longer a matter of if it's going to happen to you. It's a matter of when. And you know what? Who cares? You know, if I have to post that, I do. And I think sometimes like, I think people, again, just like take their brand just too seriously and too, you know, it's like, if you want to hear about the Yankees sucking, like go for it. 
Hey, like how I ended that on a, on a quick turn. <laughs> that was masterfully done. I think it's time to end this interview. <laughs> well done, oh Sarah. God. This has been really fun. Oh, I've had a great time. I always talk about like the actionable advice stuff. You got that in the beginning and then you just got a fun conversation for the listeners. So if they want to learn more about you and your work, where can they go? Yeah. So personally, I am the Sarah Loretta, no H. I take that very personally. I do not have an H on my name. <laughs> I am the Sarah Loretta on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all of those things. If you want to follow my business, it's 99 St. Clair, two nines, S-A-I-N-T-C-L-A-I-R-E, everywhere <laughs> too. So whichever, but it's totally cool. If like we didn't vibe and you're like, I never want to hear from this girl again, like it's totally fine. But I like to tell everybody, I do not care who you are. My DMs are always open. If you have questions, if you need support, I don't believe in paywalls. So if you just have like questions about anything in business, like I am so happy to help everyone because I believe that we all deserve to have success no matter what our bank accounts look like. So anything you need, feel free to reach out and uh, I'll see you on the internet. Or maybe in real life, if you live in Austin, we can totally hang out. I love that. I think this will be like the last takeaway. I usually ask about trade secrets. I think this is a good one. You don't need to please everybody. That's not how you grow in business. And that's not how you grow as a person. If you're too busy trying to please everybody, then you are going to be sad yourself. I will tell you when I released that Notion Basics course, I had multiple people be like, when are you putting a paywall on this? How much is this going to be? And I'm like, bro, it's free. And people are like, why? And I'm like, because I want it to be like, why do I have to provide a paywall just to prove my value? Like, don't do it. Just make sure you're not wasting your time if you're giving stuff away for free. But that's my whole motto is just do your best. Show up every day. Be kind to people. I know Ellen says that, but like be kind to people and like make dope shit. And that's all that matters. So love it. Be kind to people. Make dope shit. This is a momentous occasion for many reasons. This is the first explicit podcast episode. Oh my God. And it's the first time I've ever cursed on the podcast. I've really broken that Catholic mold, huh? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I curse a lot in real life. And there are people who are like, I had no idea that you curse. And I'm like, that's super weird because it's like most of what I say at home. Listen, it's the behind the closed doors. I'm telling you, that's that Catholic mold. What stays behind that front door does not leave. And here you are expanding your palate. And I'm so here we go. Thank you very much. Sarah Loretta, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I had fun. Thank you for listening. This was such a fun conversation. If you want to get the pre-show, which was just a lot of japes and you'll find out like why I said Loretta, join the creator crew over at joincreatorcrew.com. If you want to get links to all of Sarah's notion resources and all of the show notes, you can head over to how I built that slash 281. That's where you will find all of the show notes. But thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode. They are Text Expander, Nexus, and LearnDash. And until next time, get out there and build something. 